when they got to the Red Sea at the end, I was like, what, shouldn't he be having a staff? Like, he needs to part this shit. And then <laughs> yeah, he, he needs a he needs a Gandalf moment where he said, we shall pass. <laughs> You're playing with the big boys now. Playing with the big boys now. Oh, that's pretty. Every spell and gesture tells you who's the best. You're playing with the big boys now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 336 with a review of Exodus, Gods, and Kings. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Farrow. <laughs> and, and I'm Stephen Moses. <laughs> and if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue of the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week... We are getting biblical, and we are talking about Exodus, gods, and kings. Uh, we have one Pharaoh, one one Moses on the podcast, and then me just being the normal Gentile from America. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, You're the but, little the baby baby god. <laughs> yes, I'm the baby god. <laughs> um, but uh, Chris is Chris is Joshua. He just you know likes to peer behind rocks and stare at people for <laughs> long periods of time. Who is he talking to? Yo, bitch, you talking to God? Oh, wait, I don't have any lines in this movie. <laughs> what, 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 yeah, what, like, it, I feel like there was some some sort of big deal made about Aaron Paul being in this movie, and he literally does, like... It's, he has, like, maybe five lines. I remember a, I remember a review, like, a review praising the, the casting of him was genius or something. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that review came from him. He was <laughs> a white person. This reviewer was white. <laughs> it, it is super funny, though, because he, he literally, I mean, he, he doesn't even have to, like, personally, in my opinion, I don't think he actually needs to be given a name of any sort of biblical character, you know what I mean? Like, he, he could just be, who the hell, like, it just, it, it, he could be, like, uh, Jew number five or something like that. There's no, there's no <laughs> well, he basically to, was. Yeah, he basically no was. him to actually have a name in this movie, so it, it's no. it's kind of hilarious that he does. Oh, only to hint yeah. at the sequel. True. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Um, but <laughs> I can't wait for Leviticus, you guys. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> but, but how are you guys doing this morning? You know, if we, if we don't count our uh, terrible Skype issues and uh, internet connectivity problems or whatever the hell is, happens to be the problem. Besides all that, how are you guys doing? Fingers crossed that it doesn't jack up again. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. 55 minutes later. <laughs> Feeling good. <laughs> That's right, it is 55 minutes later. It, I, uh, yeah. So Chris and I are on our nice shiny new microphones right now. That's which right. Which is being, being overshadowed by the fact that Skype is terrible. <laughs> So yeah, there's, so we have all these connection issues. We're trying out new equipment. Um, this could turn out to be not such a great episode. Wait, so you guys you, have new balls? Yep. <laughs> no, we have new shafts it, it, now. It is an extremely <laughs> phallic microphone. I have to. I have to say, because I'm my balls are the ball I have is pretty old. So maybe because I'm like running on old tech. <laughs> I don't blue, know your blue ball. Is, my blue ball is pretty shriveled. <laughs> it's been blue for a while. <laughs> Yeah, blue, well, it was, not it's it's not mine, it's yours, but uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> Why do you have my blue ball? <laughs> you gave it Anyways. to me, and yeah, it's old. Yeah, so, 
That, so when when you do an internet for for people listening, when you do a show with people who aren't in the same location, uh, you know, wait, you, we're you, not to all together. That uh, that's crazy. What? <laughs> you can't. I inter- thought this. I thought we were all together. Yes, the we magic are. has been has been broken. Yeah, so there is magic that we do that involves the internet, and uh, when the internet, it, well, excuse me, when the internet decides that it doesn't want to be your friend anymore, um, you are kind of at the mercy of its power. It's almost like you are making slaves of this podcasting medium, and some you know power out there known as the internet uh, doesn't like the idea that you're turning this thing into a slave and decides to do everything it can to drive you insane and make you release this podcast so you're saying these mics are jewish um <laughs> in, in the time period to make in the time period of this movie i'm just I was, trying to reference back i was more saying that i'm just at the mercy of an all-powerful <laughs> internet being that is a, a wrathful vengeant internet yes. god yeah old testament the internet that we're, internet that we're ramses yeah one one day we'll have you know one day, one day we'll have Google Fiber, and we'll be we'll be using a New Testament uh, internet, and we yeah. won't have problems anymore. No, until that day no, comes. No, but though. Google Fiber, it's not going to eliminate the old crappy internet. It's coming to fulfill the new crappy old internet. <laughs> oh, so we're still kind of going to have it. That that's a good that's a good joke. We're getting deep. <laughs> um, deep cut, deep cut for all you Christians out there. What yeah. what? <laughs> But but then but then there'll be like a thousand years of bad internet, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> it all depends on what you believe, whether or not we'll have to live through that. I actually believe only the Jews will get good internet at the end. But <laughs> you put up with so much crap over the years. Some you people think internet. everybody will. Rob Bell thinks everybody's going to get it. <laughs> okay, we're <laughs> we're getting too deep for me now. <laughs> I don't even. I don't know what the hell is going on. We're making a lot of jokes about... Making a lot of jokes I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're pulling deep theology cuts here. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. Go back to something completely not yeah, deep. Yeah, let's go back to like Netscape, the movie that guys. We're <laughs> yeah. so, so, speaking of cuts, <laughs> let's just cut this banner out. Or banner out. <laughs> let's cut this banter out and uh, get into this episode. What do you think? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so resigned you're like Why whatever <laughs> i was having fun <laughs> anyways all right so we are going to listen to the trailer for exodus gods and kings and then come back and give you all a review if the internet allows it i came to tell you something is coming that is far beyond my control unless you set my people free prepared to fight for eternity. Moses, you say that you didn't cause all this. You say that your God did. I am the God! I am the God! Moses, they are animals. I will drown him in the Nile, as you should have been. I don't think so. What is it? Ramesses, 4,000 men, 1,000 chariots. Ready yourselves! You've honored me with your trust! If you stay, you will perish! Follow me! You will be free! 
All right, so that was the trailer for Exodus, Gods and Kings. Um, I'm sure it's a little story that a lot of people know, but uh, <laughs> basically, yeah, depending on how much of it you know, uh, basically there is uh, some pharaohs, and they got a bunch of Jewish slaves, and those slaves don't like it, and uh, they use some magical powers from God to try to uh, convince Pharaoh, we'll say, to let their people go. Yeah. Yeah. They all get together and they start singing, you know, Roll, Jordan, Roll. Roll, Jordan, Roll. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's the wrong movie. Sorry. Let yeah, my was... people go. Uh, I, I, I was really <laughs> hoping that at some point in this movie we were going to have uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short uh, singing some I, music yes. about yeah. playing with the big boys now. But uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of uh, could have used some uh, Martin and Short in this movie. I, w- I wish this movie had been Prince of Egypt. <laughs> I, I have such good memories of that movie by comparison. Oh, dude, it's so great! It's a good movie. Yeah, I, I remember seeing. It in I theaters. don't know if it holds up. I, I haven't seen it since it came out. I saw it in theaters. I, I, I'm sure. I, I'm sure it does. I assume it holds up. Every once in a while, I'll I'll uh, I'll YouTube that song playing with the big boys. Now, uh, in high school, we actually played. Uh, we I, I don't think it was a full. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we did a full show based around the Prince of e- Egypt, but I definitely remember, you know, when uh, I forget the lyric now, but you know when they go into the mountains and they got like the big guy who's singing like the lie, 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 like a lie, lie thing. Yeah, <laughs> we we like played that song in band. Anyways, <laughs> we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Exodus, Gods and Kings. Carson, why don't you start us off and let us know what you thought of it? Well, uh, I will start with a slight. Uh aside uh so bear with me but um when i saw night at the museum three yesterday there is obviously a a character or not a character but an actor ben kingsley who's in this movie and night at the museum and he's playing an egyptian pharaoh and when he first meets ben stiller they have a humorous exchange where he says Oh, you're Jewish? He's like, I love Jews. He's like, we have 40,000 of them. They're all so happy and always singing and dancing and loving their work. And then Ben Stiller says like, oh, well, you know, not for much longer. He's like, then he's like, oh, we get together for dinner like every year and talk about it. He's like, it's a thing. Anyway, I just thought that was (laughs) that exchange in the movie was funnier and better than the entirety of Exodus Gods and Kings. Wait, even kind of funny. Funnier than the funny proceed get... line. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> that where where he's hooking up with that chick, and she says, oh. "You may proceed." <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dude, my audience was roaring with laughter at that scene. Oh man, I don't know. I was, yeah. So no, I, it was funnier I've, than that. I've, so side tangent again. I've thought about that. <laughs> thought about that scene <laughs> probably more than I should. <laughs> What were you doing while you thought about it? Uh, I wasn't doing anything. Um, I was just because I was I was perplexed too because it seemed really really silly. And I think that like the more I think about it, there is some sort of there there is some sort of niceness to it. Like it is, it's almost like a I don't know. There there's something semi romantic, I guess, about like going almost going through your vows every time you're about to go through something else. 
<laughs> I don't know. Am I crazy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a little, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I just I, there there was something nice about it. By by the end of it, by the end of my thoughts about how silly it was, I was kind of like, you know what? It's it's cute. It's heartwarming. Uh, I don't anyway, know. I thought Night at the Museum Three was uh, much more entertaining than this movie, and it was funny because the uh, Egyptian guy in the movie, the guy from um, Short Term Twelve, is actually of Egyptian descent. Um, so he probably was kind of mad that he's like, "Why am I not in this movie? Like, my Need for Speed co-star Aaron Paul is in this fucking movie, but not me." <laughs> um, maybe, maybe what's up with that? Letter. Maybe somebody had sent a letter to the set. Of, of Need for Speed requesting that person come in for an interview and everybody's just like, oh, it's probably for Aaron Paul. We'll give it to him. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, this movie, um, you know, I was excited to watch it mainly because uh, the cast is good. Ridley Scott, I always enjoy uh, when Ridley Scott puts out a new movie. But... I'll say this. The first 10 minutes of this movie are hilarious. Like, I was so on board, like, with its, like, hilariously (laughs) awful camp that I was like... I've heard nothing of what you just said. Oh, no. But I was... Okay, Steven heard it. But anyway, I was ready to praise this as, like, the next Saving Christmas. I was like, yes, this could be, like, double build with Saving Christmas as, like, the most hilariously awful... uh, faith-based double bill or something but um nah then it just gets really boring after uh you know um brooklyn pharaoh john turturro is showing up (laughs) and uh everyone's got their eyeliner on and joel edgerton was like chilling with some snakes for no reason and then like ben Mendelssohn shows up as like that sassy viceroy with his like dreadlocks and I was like, man, this is funny. And then it just got really boring. And I uh, kind of wish there were more uh, rock monsters by, you know, during those later scenes. Because I just got really, really stagnant. And, um, I mean, it didn't help the fact that they didn't really do anything much more or anything new with this story. I mean, if you've seen other movies depicting this story or have read the story in the Bible, like, you pretty much know how this is going to go. There isn't really anything different. Uh, At least that's why, like, you can go back, like, even if I feel like if someone didn't like Noah, you could point to this movie and be like, this is why Noah succeeds, because at least it's taking a story that's been done to death, and you know, and trying to do something different with it. Um, You know, it's someone's interpretation of it, and uh, that's way more interesting than just telling it kind of how it is. Um, And it's just, it's really, really disappointing because I don't know. I just felt like, felt like Ridley Scott just shouldn't have been wasting his time telling this story since nothing felt fresh in it. And, you know, it kind of got all of this backlash and controversy, controversy with uh, the whole whitewashing of the casting. And it's like, you know, I don't really care about that because it's Hollywood. They do it all the time. But uh, it really was pretty funny how, like, you could just shave someone's head and put eyeliner on them and tan them up and be like, I'm Egyptian now. So th- that, <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's, that's the thing, though, is is 
like the whitewashing of characters I'm fine with, but our, you know, our friend from startup, he, he was wearing some serious brown face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it looked very, like, I they mean, they had a lot of Australians in this movie just, playing just, Egyptians, but, but, but just let them be white. There was something like, as soon as he popped on screen, yeah. I was like, Oh, I, even I know this is wrong. <laughs> Cause like Christian Bale, Christian Bale was pretty much white. Like he wasn't all yeah, He was up. playing a Jew. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, still, I don't know. I mean, like, they all had all of everyone's accent was like all over the place. And, uh, you know, no one could keep it consistent, especially Christian Bale. Like, he kept fluctuating from he was ridiculous, being, like, super whispery. And then all of a sudden, his accent would like change. He was like Scottish like, for a little while, I thought. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> and then by the like, end, and- like, he became like a Yiddish Brooklyn Jew, basically. <laughs> like, oi, mensch. Like, it, was like, <laughs> it really felt super campy by the end. It, it really didn't feel like he gave a shit at all. <laughs> like, it just was so like, whatever. I feel like the only person who was consistent was Joel Edgerton. Um, at least he was committing. But, uh, man, it could have been really good. But it just was so boring. Um, and there's there's a lot of great actors in the film. And like we mentioned earlier, Aaron Paul is like totally wasted. He has like maybe five lines and we were joking, but he he seriously spends like half the movie just looking at Christian Bale, like spying <laughs> on him from like behind a rock, um, just standing next to him. And Christian Bale will like feed him a line and it'll cut away before he says anything. You're just like, yeah, you never see it amount to anything. Like, you think it's you think it's building up to some kind of like big yeah. confrontation about like, what are you doing? And instead it's just like, nope, nope. He's nope. just staring. And Ben Kingsley's character is the same way. He, he basically just kind of stands around. Uh, and but, but, I don't know ben, why Ben's the hell Sigourney Weaver is in this. She has like two lines. <laughs> But Ben Ben Kingsley's standing around actually works in the context of the story because he's one of the he's one of the elders from this group. He's sort of always in the background as a character, and then he gets these like small moments where he gets to actually talk to Moses and try to convince Moses that he's actually one of them. And he that that's his whole point in the film. So like the fact that he didn't get more sc- screen time isn't a really a huge deal because you just get you know cutaway shots to him being disappointed that Moses hasn't acted yet. But with Aaron Paul, it's definitely a problem because it's like, yeah, why? I mean, he does get Who more is lines. This character and why is he significant? <laughs> I mean, he does get more lines than Aaron Paul, but it just any of the characters other than Bale and Edgerton felt like they were just completely sidelined because I think the movie was trying to focus on them two the most because obviously they're the ones at odds, but. I don't know, nothing that, like, nothing was ever went, you know, beyond surface level. Like, nothing felt substantial. Like, it could have been, like, this, you know, very interesting depiction of, like, these two brothers who become at odds with each other, but it just did not play out that way at all. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's very boring. I was ready for it to be over, like probably like after the 10 minutes of camp like wore off i was like all right i'm done (laughs) like this is very very boring and uh it's disappointing because we know ridley scott can make an awesome historical epic type of film and that he still has it because you know last year we got the counselor which was you know one of my favorites but uh you know we he can still prove that like you know he does he hasn't lost his touch but this movie feels completely out of touch. Uh, yeah, it's 
it's not good. It might be like Ridley Scott's worst movie, in my opinion. It just really does. It really feels like filler. It doesn't feel like it should have been made at all. Yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah, I echo that 100%. Like, so I, I invited a friend to watch this movie who had just moved into the city. And like, I texted him and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to see probably a shitty movie tonight. You want to join? <laughs> and like, w- when I say that, I expect it to be like, still like a fun time, just like a kind of dumb, dumb fun time. Like, I, I don't know what the expectations were from Carson that could have been let down. Like, my expectations were very low from the moment I watched a trailer for this movie. Well, I mean, um, my, I will clarify, they were not very high, but I thought it could be like, there could be some camp in there, camp value or some entertaining in a fun way, you know, like in the yeah. trailer when Edgerton's going like, I am the God, I am the God. Like, I was <laughs> like, okay, I can get on board with that. Like, I, I felt about it the way I felt about Mockingjay Part 1 when I went into it, which is like, yeah. I'm not expecting it to be great, but I'm expecting it to be a crowd pleaser of some sort. Um, yeah. Even if it's like a dumb crowd pleaser that you feel kind of guilty for liking. Uh, but this, it was so, like, boring. Like, uh, 15 minutes in, I was feeling guilty about having my friend, friend, <laughs> friend and he brought a girl with him, too, and they were just sitting there, and I'm like, this can't be fun, and there are, like, two hours of it, <laughs> and I I felt really guilty, because it's like, for a movie so big and epic, quote, it felt so bland and useless and like nothing happened like i which is funny because tons of stuff happened like they crammed this movie in every five minutes it felt like a new plague or something was happening like they just shortcut you know they, they shortcut everything that wasn't big action basically like you know moses leaves nine years later boom here he is now all crazy stuff is happening um but even with that like I don't know, the disasters, they're so big in scale and like it zooms out and shows tons of people. And like the credits of this movie, if you look at the special effects people, it's like there there had to be thousands of them. Like it's just a, a wall of names kind of. And none of it feels big or epic at all to me. Like I felt like I was watching little figurines in a toy just kind of like fall down. Like, like just like a bunch of tiny miniatures zoomed out from far away. <laughs> it, there was nothing about it that made me care or made me think like, wow, this is, this is epic. This kind of disaster happening, this alligators and frogs, like this, this is giant. It all just felt really like weak and stupid to me uh, in a way that made it like just completely unfun to follow. I, I couldn't have cared less about what was going on nobody was engaging enough to root for like i certainly didn't care about christian bale or aaron paul or any of these people um and like i i feel he he tried to go the aronofsky route in a few places and at least make play off the play up the like god as a vengeant unknowable not a protagonist type thing um like he he tried to infuse it with this sort of vaguely subversiveness, but it was so weak and empty and had no bite to it. Like if he had a point of view beyond just telling this Exodus story, then I have no idea what it was. Um, there there was like only one thing I kind of liked for half a second, which was when the plague started. 
and he made there be a mechanism by which you would go from Plague 1 to Plague 2 to Plague 3, like a, a sort of naturalistic explanation. And for a brief moment, I thought we were getting like the Aronofsky style, like Big Bang, <laughs> where he tried to tie up like plausible events into this story. Um, but Wait, then are, he are just... you talking about the scene where the, the guy is explaining to Pharaoh what's been happening? So that is the scene that made me give up on him. Okay, Prior gotcha. to that, I was piecing it together and I was thinking, oh, this is what's happening. That's an interesting take on it. <laughs> but then like the guy is explaining it to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's just like, bullshit. This is God. <laughs> and like that's the end of the oh, like the when end the of things would, linking together. When the dude was standing in the river of blood and he's just like, I guess trying to test it or something. Yeah. Well, see, I, I see I, I read that that moment a little bit differently. Um so I kind of viewed that as not being uh like well, two two things. One is that the guy explaining it clearly was just trying to do his best to come up with explanations for why it wasn't anything powerful. And I think that Pharaoh wasn't blowing him off as like, whatever this is actually God. He was more like, you're explaining it to me like I'm stupid, but I get what you're saying. Like, so I felt it more of, of like, like, yeah, it's obvious to see what you're saying. Don't talk to me. Like, like you're supposed to explain it in a way that informs me, not tell me something I can clearly see myself. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't see Pharaoh as rejecting what he was saying. Mostly like, you're not helping with just pointing out what I can see. You uh, should be doing something to fix it or... Like, don't, don't just tell me like, yeah, th- it's obvious this thing's going to happen. Do something to actually prevent it from happening. So like, I kind of read that just a tiny bit differently. Yeah, I, I can read that. I guess like what I found interesting about Noah, even if I didn't love it, I had like some respect for it, was that Aronofsky showed some balls in the way he made that movie yeah. where it's like, it is a film that is primarily about faith. And by the end, he managed to almost flip it and be like a parable against faith without reason or against blind fanaticism, um, which is like super daring where you're possibly alienating what was supposed to be your target demographic. But at least it's like a filmmaker with a point of view and a new twist on a story to tell. Yeah. And this, like those moments hinted to me that like that and the fact that God is portrayed by this little kid. I don't know if that's a spoiler that you want to bleep out. No, Um, I, I don't care about this movie yeah. so i feel the, like the that part- i feel like that was the only artistic choice in this movie was making god this like small british child what, what, but, what's, but that, what's, sorry go ahead sorry, I, I was just gonna say that also just felt like passion of the christ making satan this weird like mm. androgynous woman it's like you chose a weird thing but i'm not sure you had a reason for doing it yeah and it was weird too that they still included the burning bush like it was it was like we'll we'll cut to the the burning bush and then we'll replace God with this little boy, which felt like a I don't know why they kept the bush around at all if they're trying to change, like, God like it, it was weird to me, like it reminded me. So Eugene Merman, a comedian, has this funny bit uh, where he talks about like how he was working, he was in a school talking or something like that. And there was a child with Asperger's who was like demanding things be his way. And he said he had this revelation that God is a seven-year-old boy with Asperger's. <laughs> <laughs> and this, so I, I, I kind of saw that same like thing hinted at with the choice of it being kind of like a demanding child who just wants his way. But the movie does not build to that at all. Like if that was meant to be subversive, it definitely didn't try very hard. 
Like, because once you get over the initial shock of, like, for some reason, he's this little British kid, <laughs> everything else still plays as, like, you know, the all-powerful trust unconditionally. If Moses' trust falters, then bad things happen. If he follows the path, good things are going to happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, the only reason I'm even digging into the, like, theologic aspects is because that's the one thing I thought could have been a saving grace for a movie like this is like if it at least tries to put an interesting spin on a story that's been done to death already and without without anything like that it's just amounted to nothing kind of I, I couldn't imagine why it was made I have trouble thinking of anyone watching it and enjoying it like I honestly would be shocked if one person in my theater I uh, like this movie. <laughs> that, like that's how it's just so flat and bland. Like it isn't that everyone would hate it. It's just that no one would know why they spent two hours watching it. Um, yeah, I. That's mostly all I got. It <laughs> didn't need to be made. Didn't have a point of view. Didn't do anything interesting. Sword and sandal stuff. I I think I officially just hate it. Like I don't think I want to watch another movie where people dress this way and live in this time period. <laughs> Prince of Persia started it ruining it for me, and just, like, nothing has saved it over the last, like, decade of watching movies set in this time period. Yeah. Well, you probably won't enjoy The Homesman either. I know it's a different time period, but it's basically the same thing, just dirt and sandals. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so... Uh, I guess out of the three of us, I was the craziest person because I was actually interested in this film. <laughs> um, it's not that I was like, this is going to be so grand epic. It was just that, that like, I know that this story itself clearly has a level of epicness to it. And I would like to see kind of uh, a potentially gritty, interesting look at this film. And you know, I, I thought the, the second trailer was decent enough. Um, I know Carson hates the, the I'm the God, I'm the God. Uh, no, I think it's great. Like, I think it's funny. Well, yeah, you you think it's funny in the like in the not good way. Like it's the reason you enjoy it is because you think it's terrible. No, the reason I enjoy it because it's campy. I mean, it's not terrible. Like I would, I would totally enjoy this movie if it was like not serious. Uh, well, anyway, you guys are still saying the same thing. Like, yeah. campy to yeah. one person means terrible if you're expecting it to be serious. Yeah. 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 So anyway, anyway, so. Um, so I, I I was you know pleasantly optimistic I guess uh, to see this film, um, but yeah obviously I had the same reaction that you guys did, you know when we talk about the 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 God as boy um, part of the film like I for for the first twenty five seconds I actually really enjoyed that not because like like Stephen not not like the way you were kind of expecting this sub- subversiveness to it um, uh, like that that wasn't the aspect that I latched onto that made me excited for it. I kind of liked it. In that it was, so I, I have this, there's this thing that I think about in my head sometimes when it comes to like biblical stories and things where it's like, if if God appears to you in a, clearly this is, you know, like clouds part, light shines down, this big voice like breaking everything around you, like tells you to do something, it's really hard to go, no, nah, I'm not going to listen to you. You know, like if if some supernatural presence comes to you in a way that's undeniable, it, it makes denying it almost impossible. So I like 
the fact that God appears to Moses as as this child, as a, as a child who could have just shown up there. Like, there's no reason at face value for Moses to listen to what he says, so that the child has to, like, reason with him in a childlike way, which which I think is cool. Like, the idea of, of just appealing to logic and duty um, from, like, the, the, the boy itself has no authority inherent in who he is or who he appears as. So Moses listening to him has some sort of, um, there's something interesting there about like, like what, like there's nothing about the presence of this child that, that convinces me it's God. I'm really just following what this child is telling me and taking it at sort of face value, but still wrestling with it. Like that aspect kind of was interesting to me, but it started to wear off when, as Stephen was talking about, the, the kid becomes sort of just this like, like, uh, sort of annoying child who's like, do what I tell you. Um, that that aspect of it kind of lessens that sort of image. Like if he was always calm, was always just appealing to logic, um, it would it would it would be kind of interesting. Not in a subversive way or subversive way, but it, it would be inherently interesting to me. Um, the uh, the beginning of the film. You know, if you don't count the camp- campiness of seeing all the Egyptians and how they act and behaved and what actors are portraying them and kind of the silliness of that, like, I, I kind of enjoyed the beginning where it's just these two brothers, uh, these military generals who are going out and preparing for war. Uh, that that aspect of the film I, I thought was kind of enjoyable. But once the real plot started to unfold, this thing just started to drag and drag and drag. Um, in a story like this where you have these seven plagues coming and ravishing uh, an entire people group, that should be the money shot of your film. But for some reason, like, the plagues were the worst, the most boring part of this film. And I don't know how you can do that with something, with an image that is so impressive, uh, or sorry, with, with imagery that should be so impressive. It kind of just becomes this thing where it's like god how many of these freaking plagues do we have to go through it's like, like the it's like the roland emmerich effect right like you you try <laughs> to be big and grand and it just makes it be like even more bland and disappointing yeah yeah it, it's like i don't i i mean i i get i get their motivation for it like we got to make all this as crazy as hell but i think um yeah i, I think there's i think what really kind of saddened me is that Kind of the point of this this story is you have two two men backed by two different forces, one of which is completely showing up the other. Like that's that's the whole point of this is, is what what what, the, what they don't really focus on in this movie. And like you know with, with Noah, I celebrated all the changes that they or not necessarily changes, but like the things that they added to the story to change the communication of of what the point of the story is. I totally celebrated that because it was interesting. It, it took ideas of how do you reconcile the story in our world, like there, and what would it be like to be in the story. I loved all those changes in in Noah. In this, like, I, I I feel like they're they're missing all these really great scenes. Like, so we see that that the Egyptians have um, some oracle lady who can like do things, right? But in 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 the film. All we ever like, she she makes one prediction that actually comes true, and that's the prediction she makes at the beginning of the film, where you know, a a somebody will save a leader, and then that 
savior will lead or something, whatever, whatever her prophecy is. Like, that's the only thing that she actually does. But besides that, there is never a scene where she shows any, like, she's always not powerful. And the whole point of, of this story is that the Egyptians have these, like, like sorcerers and crap who can actually do things, but anything they do turns out to be just sort of like a trick or not great. And then God makes some demonstration that shows them that no matter what, they are more like the, the iconic scene of like the the snake from like Moses' snaff, staff turning into a snake and eating the snakes of like their the Egyptian sorcerer. Yeah, why people. why did they not have that scene? I couldn't believe they didn't show that. Yeah, like that that's that's supposed to be a huge deal, <laughs> and and it, it's kind of like when when it just like that's the thing too is is Moses is is obviously Moses is is supposed to be wielding the power of God, but all of these things kind of are supposed to be coming from Moses in a way. Like Moses is the one who comes and says like, hey, this is coming and then something happens and then it's crazy and then he comes back and is like, hey, this is really bad. But like there's supposed to be this like this call call and answer type of thing where it's like these things are coming for reasons, not like a progression of plagues and Moses is sort of like, wow, this is kind of crazy. Maybe one, this, this settles down, I'll go talk to God again and see... What like there was always this thing where it felt like God was doing this completely separate from Moses, and then would go, "Hey Moses, you should go talk to him." Like it didn't feel like a a progression of let's do this together. Now let's do this together. Now let's do this together. And uh, another thing too that like the one thing that they really do change, which could have been an interesting change is the one thing that they don't need to change at all. So the parting of the Red Sea. In this film, spoilers, they th- the way they communicate that is to sort of show the seas uh, just reside. Like almost like an extreme low tide starts to happen. The water just kind of like recedes out and then um, goes away. Now, the whole point of this thing is that the Jewish people are supposed to be super screwed they can't get across the water. What's going to happen? Boom, the seas part in a, in a thing that you could never actually see happen in real life. Some really super impressive splitting of a sea. It, it, that, that, that's the other money shot from the story. But instead what they do is this like suddenly just the water sort of just recedes off into the distance, which doesn't make sense with like the waves crashing from the side because wouldn't it just like well up like what they did to change it doesn't make sense why you change it because that's the one thing that you don't have to make realistic because it is a all, an all-powerful god literally cutting an ocean into like why why would you change that why would you change that yeah i i feel like the only reason they did it is because they wanted to be different but it isn't different with a point of view attached it's just different for no reason <laughs> yeah 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 and, and, and well, it's all- almost like they were trying to take the this is the gritty like grounded approach to moses this is the nolan moses yeah this is a gritty reboot <laughs> and like, I mean, like I, that's what i feel like they were trying to go for like the only I- acceptable thing that i the, the only explanation for why they did that that i would possibly accept is that they did it the other way and it just looked too terrible to actually put on screen like it just some sort of weird uncanny valleyness happened or whatever. Like if, if that's their explanation, then I'll be like, okay, fine. I get that, that decision. But if they like, if this, if this was their whole idea all along, it's a terrible freaking idea. All you're doing is like completely taking away one thing that's supposed to show the might of the God who's supposedly doing all this stuff to the Egyptians. Um, 
Well, it still looked pretty terrible in the way that they did it here anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally echo that, and I definitely echo, I forgot to bring up, but the lack of a call and response with Moses and Pharaoh and the plagues of him, like, saying it was going to happen, and then it happened. Yeah. And then the iterative process, like, taking that out made the dynamic really weird, and... And that dynamic is one reason why I kind of felt like he was trying to subvert a little bit. Like he was trying to make it so God is doing this crazy stuff that Moses isn't behind, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like what kind of what kind of God would kill children? You know, there's a line like that. Um, but there's no arc in the story that makes that pay off in any way. And instead what you get is just like you undercut the central conflict in the story and then just never do anything new with it. It's just like taking it out for no reason. Yeah. Well, there's that there's that scene where um, Christian Bale like is talking to uh, God, and God just basically tells him, "Yo, chillax. I got this. You can go." <laughs> you, you, like he basically says that. He basically says like, "You guys can rest for a while. Like I got this." And then that's when all the plagues start happening. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Christian Bale was like, oh, like, I've been training my men and they aren't ready yet, you know. And that, yeah, and that, that that's, sorry, sorry, that, that's definitely his arc in the movie. Like, by the end, he has fully stopped trying to do anything. But that's, I don't know, that's such a, like, wimpy, bland arc for a character yeah. to take. Yeah, yeah. It, no, it, it just was weird because it, it did exactly what you were saying, where it cut out all the interaction between... Um, Moses and the Pharaoh. I mean, the the only time he really confronts him is before the final plague, where he was like, "Yo, uh, some shits, some bad shits gonna happen," and then that was like really the only time. Any and like, I feel like they didn't have the scene where his staff turns into a snake because they were just trying to do like the grounded version. It, my that's the only reason why I can think of, and because like. When they got to the Red Sea at the end, I was like, "What? Shouldn't he be having a staff? Like, he needs to part this shit." And then <laughs> yeah, he, he needs a he needs a Gandalf moment where he says, "Yeah, like, we what? shall pass." <laughs> yeah, like I I was like, "What?" And then I guess I was like, "Oh, I guess this is like you know the Moses is a badass warrior." Also, version. oh my god, like they they, they created oh, that's the thing that made me so mad too. Is so Moses carries this freaking sword the entire damn movie. And it's like, it's, you know, it's got, it's his, the hilt has the name of his brother on it, Ramses. And he's like, well, we're screwed in the ocean. And he just chucks the sword into the water. The chucking of the sword into the water should have parted the sea. Like, yeah, I thought that's yeah. what, what like, was going to happen. Because It's one thing to have it land in the water and nothing happen, but then it sinks down to the water and steps it. Like, how badass would it be if it sinks into the water? stabs into the bottom of the ocean the water parts from that and then at the end when, when the waves come back the waves come back because moses pulls the sword out of the ground and then that collapses the walls of the, like there's so many badass things they could have done with it that it just doesn't make sense why that imagery of the sword sticking into the bottom of the ocean is even there if i, I don't know I, I i thought that's what was going to go down at least when he threw it in the in the ocean that it was going to part right then. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is how they're going to do it. Nope. You know, there are four writers on this movie. No one could think of anything <laughs> None good, of them I were guess. God. <laughs> <laughs> None of them were effective at screenplay, screenwriting. The, the, the one thing that I did kind of like 
and it and, and it immediately became something that didn't matter so i didn't care about it anymore was the like the the gorilla jews that were like in the hills like building bows and arrows <laughs> and like learning how to shoot like that was a cool I, like i like the idea of like this isn't just going to be a passive thing like we're actually going to train these people to help with an uprising but then it's like while he's training god's doing all like the real stuff out like it just it becomes two separate stories like i i think that you could have told the the main arc of this story completely removing Moses from the story and having it be an apparition that appears to Pharaoh. Like, so if you just have this like weird ghostly thing that comes to Pharaoh and goes like, hey, you need to let the Jews go. And he's like, oh, this is not real. I'm going crazy. And then it keeps appearing and he starts to get more and more scared. And then the thing keeps appearing. It's, it's basically like a ghost of Christmas past that comes mm. to him and says, I'm going to do this to your people. And he's like, what? No, you're not. And then it happens. He's like, oh, crap. And then he comes back and goes like, I'm going to do this to your people. And it's just, if there was, you could tell the exact same story without there having to be a a uh you know moses at all like so and without there having to be an act like god could have been appearing himself to pharaoh and it's by by removing that dynamic especially when the beginning of the thing is is held like the beginning of the story pits these two people against each other you have pharaoh and his you know quote-unquote brother and or soon to be pharaoh and their brother like just the it's supposed to be about these two men who are warring from a young age. Like they're always in competition with each other. Um, you know, like the the original Pharaoh uh, kind of believes in Moses more than he does Ramses. And like there's this dynamic that is set up in the film that that's supposed to put these two people against each other um, and vying for like their own power, their own military strategy, like all this stuff. And, and the film sort of just ditches that and kind of does its own thing. And it's, I don't know, this is one of those times where uh like i i wouldn't have complained if the story was just changed but it was done well but it feels like they dropped out the things that make the story interesting it's like if somebody like rebooted harry potter but like he didn't have the scar and he like there was no connection between him and voldemort spoilers i guess yeah. for harry potter. <laughs> we're gonna bleep out the name he who must not be named, he who must not be named yes <laughs> i did think it was really funny though when um at the end, toward the end, when uh, when Joel Edgerton like finds out that his child is dead, and he picks up what is clearly like the fakest on-screen baby I've ever seen, and he's just like, <laughs> he, like shakes it, and it's all like this rubbery blob, like shaking, like that really made me laugh. I was like, ah, oh. the movie kind of slipped back into that camp factor for a second. It, I mean, <laughs> it, it was a silly image, but at the same time, like. If the baby was like wrapped up and like swaddled and and he was just holding the swaddling like, cloth, he was basically just holding this <laughs> this like cocoon that was a dead child. It's it's less freaky than like a limp head and arms and legs. Like just like I I think that it might might not have been perfectly executed, but I thought that imagery was pretty impactful. Of like it's not just a child that's without life; it's a lifeless being. Like it's I don't know. It was pretty. Yeah, that's made of rubber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I said, it wasn't, exe- I mean, no, it wasn't no, like executed the, perfectly, but the imagery is there. Yeah, but the the fact that it just looks so fake is there too. <laughs> you know what was really funny is that like so like after that scene after where it's the next morning and Christian Bale comes up to Edgerton and he's still holding the baby and now he's like wrapped up in more swaddling cloth and he's just like look what you did or whatever and like i seriously Wait, I he was played by nicholas cage <laughs> I, I seriously thought he was just gonna like 
because he kind of like extended the his the the baby out, and I was just like, we got like more like fake babiness, and I seriously thought he was just gonna be like, look at my son, and like throw it on the ground, like you did this. <laughs> I thought that would have been funny. <laughs> that was just like, look how fake this baby is. That would not have been funny. <laughs> <laughs> it would been funny to me. Also, do you, do you feel like That's there was any the director's cut? Do you feel like there was any sort of character developed to Moses at all? I feel like he was not, he didn't undergo anything. Like there was no internal character behind him. Like, especially the interactions between him and his wife. It sounds like in nine years, they've uttered like five sentences together. Yeah. (laughs) And all five of those sentences were the, now we can sleep together lines. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Never. Well, yeah. So he, he, he definitely doesn't like there, there is no, like he, he finds out the fact that he is one one of the Jewish people like five minutes before God's appearing to him, telling him what to do. So like there's, there's no, there is no like, okay, I finally admit that I'm, I'm these people. Um, even, even in the, in, in the, the scene in the trailer where he like yoinks out the, 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 the hilt of his, his sword just to stop the, you know, Ramses from attacking the arm of that other character. Like even in that scene, he seems he seems to be admitting that that yes he's one of those people but at the same time it doesn't feel as if he believes it he's just saying it because that'll spare the person so mm-hmm. like you don't get to see him like it'd be one thing too if like there was stuff in the film before that moment that shows that he cared for the Jewish people, even though he didn't believe he was one of them. Like if he felt bad for them, mm. like you have the one scene where, where he's like, why are you whipping him? And the guy's like, cause he won't talk. And he's like, well, if whipping him, if he won't talk, whether or not you whip him, then why keep whipping him? Like that's his only moment of compassion in the film. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I the- really wanted the Prince of Egypt method of him leaving instead of this, like, tying it into his heritage and saving his sister i i don't know i i i just felt like that also had no lust like at least if he if he were rescuing a random person it would have that like compassion element to it yeah yeah like if he actually took something of his own volition and was trying to protect anybody even if just a single person like then it would then it would like we don't get to see him realize that this is bad i mean they do kind of spend a tiny bit of time showing how excessive Ramses is getting where he's just like, Oh, well, I want to build this thing bigger than ever. And I just want like a million people. And I don't care that like 300 Jews a day are dying. Let's just keep getting more of them and just blah, 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 blah. Like I, I don't. Yeah. That, what you're saying is there's no moment where Moses supposes his people weren't chosen, but Moses <laughs> supposes erroneously. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. And on that note, <laughs> oh god! <laughs> and Stephen killed the episode. No, <sighs> bye everybody. <laughs> um, but uh, does anybody else have any final comments on the film? No, I wasted my last one. No, I mean no. Damn, I I might have had one, but then Stephen just blocked my brain out with his i'm I'm really sorry you guys (laughs) no don't be sorry it was it was worth it (laughs) anyways okay so i think i think it's probably about time to uh i I think that joke was the final plague (laughs) it's about time to let this episode go the the plague of darkness on the on the episode yeah yes um also real fast is 
is the so so the, the last plague is the firstborn um getting getting um lifelessized mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to say it yes. turning into a rubber baby yeah yeah turning into a fake baby <laughs> rubberization of the firstborn. <laughs> everyone turns into rubber i think that's actually in the original translation um, yeah well but, it tie that's how it ties into uh night at the museum three they all turn into to wax again <laughs> anyways I, I i think like i don't know if this is the classic depiction but um, but it's the way it was in Prince of Egypt, where the the firstborn of Ramses is actually old enough to have a a real relationship with with Ramses and to be being brought up as an heir, right? Like I, I seem to remember him being like old enough to run around and talk. Is that wait, wait, wait? Say that again. The, it, the firstborn it, of the, the oh, firstborn, oh. yeah, in, in Prince of Egypt. Yeah, I don't remember though. Like I No, I, yeah, I think he I think he is at least a young like like 8 years old or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's old enough to be able to play with Ramses and, you know, have some sort of relationship to learn the ways of what it would be like to be a pharaoh when he eventually takes the throne. So I think that the I mean, obviously, death of a child is a horrible thing. Um I don't want to belittle that at all, but I mean, I think there's there's a there's when when a child is taken from Ramses, there the that child represents less of power at that point in time. But when he's old enough to be being prepped to take over and become a pharaoh of, of his own, I think there's there's more of a loss for Ramses as a pharaoh than there is just being a like tiny boy. Well, um, and there there would be more emotional weight to the scene, even even if internally it's the same. Uh, yeah, you know, if you've seen this person actually speak and express some sort of love then it it would be more than if it's just a baby that they only they only showed him caring about like moments before they killed it yeah 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 so yeah yeah because 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 he because basically you you never see him caring at all but then moses says like protect your son <laughs> tonight he goes yeah he goes, spoiler your child might be in danger <laughs> um and then ramses you know like hangs out and goes uh you know goes chilling out around the crib trying to like hands out by the crib yeah yeah um (laughs) so so yeah i i i think that that would have been more impactful if we just saw an older child so like say the age of god (laughs) in the wrong kid dad in this film so anyways um that was my final thought so i think it's about time to get to our verdict guys what do you say yep all right. Well, uh, Carson, why don't you start us off? If you're going to give this a must-see, a reckoned with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Um, I'm going to give it a must-avoid. I will say the positives of the film are that uh, Ridley Scott at least still knows how to make a good-looking film, and uh, that's about it. You, I, you, I think there might have been something else, but I can't remember. You were just excited that everything wasn't tinted blue? Exactly. Yeah. At least he can make a movie that still looks like a movie. He can make a yellow movie instead. Yeah. <laughs> With a production value. Um but uh yeah, other than that, no. All right, Steven. I easy must avoid for me. I mean, whatever the production value is, that just makes it more of a crime that it wound up so bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean like, it really is a waste. Like, like they like just threw hundreds of millions of dollars. I, I don't know how big this movie was, but it had to be over a hundred mil, right? I think it was like one forty. 
like that is that means they probably spent more that is like a a social crime <laughs> i feel like that you can uh, you can spend that money on a thing that is so terrible you know it, what's weird too is like just just from the financial standpoint of making this film i, I know it's been in production for a while and it's and you can't really judge films that came out several months back against it but like the, the the you would think that this film would have a built-in audience right like anybody in the you know biblical community will want to check out this film so it should have a built-in audience but i feel like noah was like <laughs> outraged a lot of people <laughs> so like right. coming out after noah that built-in audience might be zero now because mm-hmm. you're only going to convince secular audiences to want to see this if it looks good because other people who feel like they were burned by noah um probably aren't going to go in and give this a shot well and saving christmas also would have satisfied them so (laughs) it would have fixed it for them yeah so they have no reason now to go back to the the secular director oh gotcha (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah Noah noah did open uh did have a better opening weekend than exodus and i think that was purely because there was all the controversy around it, like, ooh, they made changes to the Noah story and all this. They put well, rock think, monsters in them. I think Noah was also more of a how-do-you-tell-this-story. Like, there was yeah. something interesting about the very fact that it was being filmed, whereas everyone knows you can tell the Moses story. Like, we've seen it before. Yeah, I mean, the and the trailers really didn't give any sense that, like, they were doing it with a different... POV. It was just like, oh, it's the Moses story, but with, you know, on a bigger budget and scale and everything. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, for me, it's also a must avoid. Um, there's not no no if ands or buts about that. Uh, you can send as many plagues my way as you'd like, but I'm still going to give this a must avoid. <laughs> I who's think most people? Would who's agree. plaguing you? Uh, <laughs> Ridley Scott. <laughs> I, I <laughs> The users are plaguing him. They're like, where are the new episodes? Yeah, so so the real question is, if you have to rewatch uh, Robin Hood or this movie, when do you rewatch? Oh, totally Robin Hood, 100%. <laughs> For sure. At least I Robin would, Hood had, uh, Mark Strong was a memorable villain in that, I thought. I would sooner watch The Plague seven times than watch this movie again. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny, it's funny that you bring that up, because Robin Hood was similar to exodus in the fact that it was like why did this get made yeah well i mean it was a story that it's been told so many times before and then it wasn't really told in in a different way i guess you could say it was because it was in sense a prequel to the robin hood story yeah it was back when he was robin of whatever instead of robin of the yeah (laughs) but i mean that approach to it wasn't anything new so it was the same as exodus where it's like there wasn't really a fresh take on the material what, but I did think that Mark Strong, like, there were some good things about it, at least, better than Exodus. Whatever happened to that Robin Hood movie that was being made, or supposedly in talks to be made, that was like Robin Hood, but set in modern times? Well, they've got a couple uh, Robin Hood projects in development. I don't know. Um, Robin in the Hood? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the Wachowskis wanted to make a, a Robin Hood like a futuristic Robin Hood at yeah. one point, but I don't think that's going to happen. They just renamed it to Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> See, they're just like, oh, we'd rather do C-Tates in space. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you say we wrap this up, guys? Yep. All right, Carson, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Um, you can go to uh, practicalcandy.wordpress.com. Steven. 
if you want more gems like the Moses Supposes line, you can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, uh, you can go to or you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. Uh, you can use the contact form on our site, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Just for funsies, music for this episode is going to come from the Prince of Egypt because Yeah. Just because it's better than the score in this movie. Yes, just because. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, at the point in time in your feeds when you're listening to this episode, uh, you probably waited a long time and got some random episodes in between. Uh, we are coming up on the end of the year, though. There's a ton of things coming out. Uh, we still have our end of the year recap episode to do. Uh, so I think that we're going, or we've sort of been talking about it, and I think we're going to do a like a crazy omnibus episode where we review a ton of films at the end of, of uh, December really quickly in rapid succession or at least attempt to so hopefully you'll get a semi-normal length episode (laughs) and not a 13 hour episode (laughs) but uh yeah we're gonna try to get stuff out to you so thanks for listening and hope you enjoy that uh thank you guys for joining me on this episode anytime you're welcome they'll be out by (laughs) (laughs) mid-january hopefully it'll be out sometime (laughs) At least by you know, this upcoming weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Which means nothing to the people listening. True. No, no. True. If, if they'll they'll never this, know if you made your promise or not. Yeah. yeah. If, if you're listening to this, it's out now. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So if you haven't listened, it's new to you. Yeah. All right. But now could be the new year. Could. Yeah, it took a whole year for me to get this episode up. <laughs> All right. Well, should we take off, guys? Yep. All right. Bye. Look at your life.